Welcome into the latest Daily Wager Extra podcast. We are taping this on the final Sunday night of the NFL season in September, I should say, and specify that. And another wild day. Here we are, week three. I am Doug Kazarian. Playing a little hurt today. Uh, sore throat, earache, but we're going to be fine because I have a compadre that we had last weekend, researcher extraordinaire, Mackenzie Kramer. How are you, my friend? Another great day of uh, f- football, other than my Jets getting destroyed yet again. Ryder Cup this morning, some great baseball today. Great day of sports, but obviously we're here to talk football, so uh, let's get on with it. Yeah, I'm a little upset. Um, and look, I had the Niners. I had no you know, no chance to win. I, I, I just think it, people got a little carried away with what a great game it was. Great finish in terms of excitement, but we got to have a better way to figure out the officiating and all this other nonsense. It should be someone from above. Like, there's just got to be a better way for this multi, multi, multi-billion dollar industry to resolve this other than these like phantom calls and nonsense. The Packers should have won comfortably uh, in this game. Now, they got the win. That's all that matters um, for their playoff hopes. But it was uh, – the Niners never had a clean drive. It was the you know, phantom call on third and long. I mean, just, just a bunch of nonsense uh, throughout the game. Yeah, referee in the NFL is always dicey. I mean, you I mean, the most famous thing a couple of years ago, Gene Serator bringing out the index card to determine a first down. So that shows just how high tech this multi-billion dollar industry is. So, yeah, you hope that at some point they'll figure out a way to uh, make the calls more consistent. But as of now, we're stuck with what we got. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that we have the chain gang is kind of comical. But anyways, I don't want to go on a total rant, but. Anyways, uh, Rodgers, incredible. We've seen him, and then we saw the uh, the Raiders on opening weekend and Monday night to go to field goal range with no timeouts. And there may be another team that I just can't think of. We, it's remarkable to see him do that. And that was at the end of the day that saw Justin Tucker, 66-yarder, remarkable, blown uh, delay of game uh, situation there. Uh, a lot of head-scratching plays, but obviously a lot of excitement as well. Why don't you recap just from a macro approach how the day was for the betters in terms of uh, some ATS performances? Yeah, so uh, it was a great day for unders. So if you're an under better, you would have gone 11-4 and four on unders this week. Obviously, the, it was 11-3 and three heading into the Sunday night game, which was one of the four overs. Home team seven and eight against the spread. Underdogs won again for the third straight week. Uh, they are nine and six ATS this week, 30 and 17 against the spread on the season wow. with 21 straight up wins. Uh, that's one shy of the most in the Super Bowl era, the 21 straight up wins. Road underdogs 19 through, through and nine. three weeks, right? Through three weeks? Uh, correct. Yeah, through three okay. weeks. Um, and uh, home teams this season, 20 and 27 against the spread, 23 and 24 straight up for home teams this year. So home teams have a losing record outright this year. And one of the home wins was the Saints in week one when they played in Jacksonville. So not really a, a home game there. But to me, the most interesting trend this week was when you look at the favorites this week, um, like I said, there were six and nine, the favorites this week, favorites of at least four points were six and two against the spread favorites of less than four points. So between one and three and a half, Oh, and seven against the spread one and six straight up, including the Sunday night upset by the uh, Packers. So, uh, really really rough week for the short favorites this week uh, i did say the big favorites of at least four points went six and two against the spread one of the teams there that did not cover was the chiefs laying seven against the chargers 
Chargers pull off the upright outright upset. That is the biggest upset we've seen all year. We had a couple six and a halves in the first two weeks, but Chargers plus seven, that's the biggest upset the far, this far this season. We nearly had a seven and a half point dog cash with the Lions, but as you mentioned earlier, Justin Tucker was say, breaking the NFL record for the longest field goal kick in NFL history and keeping me alive in my main survivor pool in the process. Yeah, it's crazy. All the people that took the Ravens in the Eliminator. I will say again that I've said before, Dan Campbell's a moron. Okay, he called timeout on defense, right? Somewhat justifiable after Lamar Jackson avoided the sack and got to the sideline, got out of bounds. What did he do during the timeout? He went and talked to the ref and was just kind of like complaining about something instead of pulling his defense side, the young guy saying, don't let Hollywood Brown get behind you. You know, that might have been the right thing to do instead of barking at the refs during the timeout. Why'd you call the timeout? To give Lamar Jackson rest? I don't, I don't know. He just Maybe baffles me. Hollywood Brown would drop another pass after he dropped I mean, two touchdowns. Nonsense. Game. But uh, I want to go back to a couple of things. So basically the short dogs got there. Usually the book takes a lot of wagers from the public that likes the short favorites, like the better team laying a short number. So that's usually the perception. We'll see how it all uh, comes to fruition when everything sh- shakes out. But you mentioned the, the underdogs. This is something we have seen the last few years. Now go back to a year ago when we were trying to do – uh, a piece I was I wrote a feature about like you no know, fans in the stands what does that mean for betting and we've seen correct me if I'm wrong the last five years Mackenzie when we dug up some of these numbers is that dogs went out right a lot it's like basically 50 50 the performances uh and the, the market is tight but it still favors the home team too much yeah I mean home field advantage I mean you talk to more bookmakers than I do but it's definitely not a full three points now for home oh, field no. advantage like it like, used to be it's probably it's like one country. yeah I was gonna say two but it might be closer to one at this point I mean, 2019, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that in 2019, it was one of the best years for for, uh, for road teams we've had in the Super Bowl era, which is as far back as we go. And last year was closer to 50-50, but there was no fans in the stands. And then this year, we're seeing a continuation of, of road teams doing very well against the spread. Yeah, and obviously it depends on what the number is. If you're moving from 11, you know, that's different than moving from three to four to six, things like that. Who's been cashing for backers? Obviously, the Chiefs are 0-3 ATS now. Who's on the flip side? Who's delivering? So uh, we have three teams that are three and against the spread. Uh, the Denver Broncos, who've played three of the worst teams in the NFL this year, but they've won and covered all three games. Uh, the Cowboys are two and zero. They'll play again tomorrow night to go to three and zero. And then the Panthers also three and zero against the spread. On the flip side, you mentioned the Chiefs. They're now two and twelve against the spread in the last fourteen games, including the playoffs. They're one of the 0 and 3 against the spread teams. Washington also 0 and 3 against the spread, and then the Jets and the Jaguars. So that's not really the company you would expect the Chiefs to be in with the Jets and the Jaguars. Um, a couple other uh, notes on. Hold that. on, let's talk about this Jaguars game because I warned everyone. I was on the Jags. Um, I thought it was a, a, a horrendous spot for Arizona. They win two, kind of feeling fat and happy, have to go to the Southeast again after going to Tennessee in Week One, and then. Just kind of like the humidity and just the situational spot and lane seven and a half. There was a lot to like dislike about that more than necessarily like with the Jags plus the points. But the fact that they didn't cover Jacksonville is kind of remarkable. Yeah, we've talked about teams that go 0-2 against the spread in their first two games. They typically cover in uh, in the next game. That didn't really happen this this week. I believe it was 1-4 and, uh, and four ATS this, this week for teams that started 0-2 against the spread. We already read off the two, four teams that had covered. The Cardinals were one of the most popular teams in terms of just the general public this week. They had the most lopsided split in the in Caesars in terms of tickets and money. 94% of the tickets on Arizona, 92% of the money. Um, Jaguars' first half money line would have been a fun bet if you had that with the uh, Jamal Agnew uh, field goal return at the end of the first half. 
I was a little, I, I didn't take this game, but I was kind of leaning Jacksonville as well. I write the eliminator column for ESPN.com. The Cardinals were one of the most popular picks this week. I actually didn't tout them in the article. Uh, part of it was because FPI was relatively down on the Cardinals this week. Uh, FPI only made them a 5.7 point favorite, which was uh, the seventh biggest favorite on the board. So there, FPI, I thought there was a little bit of value on the Jaguars. And like you said, I don't know if I trust this Cardinals team yet on the road. Jacksonville, you're buying at, the, at rock bottom after how they looked the first two weeks. So I kind of like Jacksonville this week, but I, I couldn't pull the trigger. And obviously with how that game turned out, I'm glad I didn't. Surprised we've waited this long to talk Rams, Bucks. I, I knew the Rams would get some offense going. I think they could take advantage of that thin secondary of Tampa Bay. First road game as well for the Bucks. Also playing without Antonio Brown. There was a lot of reasons to point to, to the Rams. I just didn't know if their playmakers could deliver and if their defense could deliver. And really, like, the Rams look so smooth. And McVay obviously just loves his new toy in Matthew Stafford. He's just a giant upgrade over Goff. I'm, I'm glad people are finally starting to see what I was saying all summer. Yeah, I'm really curious how the NFC odds will adjust after this week. You look at entering this week, the Bucks were plus 260 favorites followed by the Rams and 49ers at six to one, then Green Bay at seven and Seattle at 10. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's hard to go against Tom Brady, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams are now the favorites. I mean, to me, the Rams are the best team in the NFC. Yes, they are at home today, but I still, I, I think that they have a much better defense than Tampa Bay and the offenses are pretty comparable. So I think that LA is the better team than Tampa, as we kind of saw today. It's always hard to bet against Tom Brady because he covers 60% of the time in his career. But uh, LA, obviously, with a nice win today. Um, Cooper Cup, also, by the way, another amazing game for Cooper Cup. From a fantasy perspective, he's got the fifth most fantasy points by a wide receiver through three weeks in the last 20 years. So Cooper Cup's been amazing for, uh, for the Rams, and that Stafford Cup connection's been fantastic this year. Yeah, I was going to say he's been a beast since joining – forces with Stafford a couple things on all this it's September right uh, remember we saw the Bucks lose in Chicago and Brady didn't, didn't know what down it was and then all of a sudden they win the Super Bowl so you just wonder over the long course of the season what's going to transpire I mean I think I think the Bucks kind of this was just I think the Rams needed this game more they were at home uh, they needed to kind of measuring stick game if you will and they delivered and I think with Deshaun Jackson being unveiled and that showed a d deep threat in Stafford, just so good, right? Like, he's so good. Um, especially when you compare him to what Jared Goff gave in the last few years. He's such a massive upgrade over what, what uh, Goff gave them. For sure. And people thought I was just being so critical of Goff, and he just can't read the defenses that well. He, he, and, he can make some nice throws, but he's just not as sophisticated reading defenses. And to your point about needing that game more, you look at the NFC West now, you got two 3-0 and teams. Niners nearly got the 3-0. and Seahawks are one and two right now. And in the next two weeks in that division, Rams and Cardinals play each other next week. And, and so do the Seahawks and Niners. And the week after, Seahawks, Rams, Niners, Cardinals. So the next two weeks will have a lot to do with what happens in the NFC West the rest of the, uh, rest of the way. Yeah, you alluded to it earlier. Just interesting to see what happens with the, the Futures book, right? And then there's even the Cowboys lurking, right? They got a nice win at the Chargers. They have an easier path, one would think, in their division. Washington, I think, stinks. And the Giants stink. Maybe the Eagles are a little friskier than we thought. The division as a whole is a little bit better, at least the the basement. But, I mean, Cowboys look, you know, respectable, all things considered. We'll see if they kind of hold serve Monday night. I, I'm curious also how this MVP is going to shake out. Because obviously Mahomes takes a hit, but he's not going to take too big of a hit because odds makers are not dumb. Stafford's going to make a big move. He was 10 to 1 early in the week, moved to 8 to 1. 
and you wonder if he's going to take another step forward at six to one. There might be some uh, buy low options at Brady in about a week or so. Yeah, Brady's another guy. You might wonder if, if his odds drop a little bit after that loss. Though again, he threw he threw for over four hundred yards. It's the first time in his regular season career he's thrown for four hundred yards without an interception and lost the game. So you know, still a great game for Brady. He did run for a touchdown, but. Kyler Murray, another good game, but not a great game against Jacksonville. You would hope that he would pad his numbers a little bit more. I mean, if you look at some of the long shots, Kirk Cousins had another amazing game, but, you know, Kirk Cousins probably not going to win the MVP, so I'm not that worried about that. And Derek Carr threw three games, averaging over 400 yards per game. But, again, even though the Raiders are 3-0, I don't think anybody expects them to uh, to continue that, though. The AFC West is another very interesting topic because you look at that division you get the chiefs in last place in that division at one and two entering the year they're 40 to one to finish last place in that division but now you got the raiders and broncos three and oh and the chargers at two and one uh really curious to see what happens with the broncos going forward because they've they've looked really good against uh three of the worst teams in the nfl the giants jaguars and the jets but next week we get they get the ravens and so uh, we'll, we'll finally start to see what the what the uh, broncos can do against the real team next week yeah, that where's that Denver game? Uh, that game is it's I just home, had, right? Yeah, it's home against Baltimore. Yeah, I like them in that spot. I got to see what the spread is, but I just like the spot for them. And I Baltimore's saw Denver minus one and a half. I don't know. I think I, I I still believe in Baltimore. I know I know it's I know it's a great spot for them after Baltimore just had two really really emotional wins. But I do think Baltimore is a better team than Denver. Denver took another loss today with KJ Hamler. They've had a bunch of injuries to deal with this year. Bradley Chubb on the IR. But that is going to be one of the, one of the most interesting games to watch next week for sure. I'm trying to think, uh, it's good to see the Bills bounce back. Everyone was writing them up. Oh, Josh Allen now inaccurate. I thought it was a silly talk. I, I put them in a teaser. I should have just had them. I mean, I did personally hammer them on the money line. Excuse me, the spread. But I should have done my best bet with them. I Washington is just not very good, and the Bills are. And it was good to see him back. He'll be back in the MVP discussion as well. But. I got no issues with Josh Allen. I mean, everyone was worried about his accuracy. All of a sudden, I think he's fine. Yeah, I think it was fine to bring up his accuracy. I brought up on this podcast that in his first two games, he was in the bottom half of the league in QBR. His, you know, his numbers weren't what they were last year. And since Allen took such a massive leap last year compared to what he was in his first couple of years, I think it was fair to wonder if this were to continue, what is the real Josh Allen? But again, like you said, two games, way too much to make any long, any long-term prognosis prognoses on uh, Josh Allen. And we saw this week that he was unbelievable with four passing touchdowns and one on the ground. Uh, the bills play the Texans next week. So oh. that'll be uh, probably one, probably the most, well, definitely the most popular uh, pick and eliminator next week. That line moved from 16 and a half to 17 and a half. But to me, the bills defense has been the story so far. We saw them shut out the dolphins last week. They, I mean, the Washington had some success against them today, but the bills defense has been much improved over last year. And if Josh Allen is right, like he looks like he's right, that's going to be a tough team to beat in the AFC. Elsewhere in the division, Patriots, you know, you start to wonder, you know, all, all signs point to them being able to turn things around, got their defensive players back, had to go with the rookie quarterback, but they have the goods, we thought, but uh, they get smacked at home by the Saints. Yeah, the, the Saints are just the, uh, probably the strangest team in the NFL right now. They've had, they're, they're two and one outright. There are two times they were an underdog. They won by double digits and their one time as a favorite. They lost by double digits. So good luck trying to figure out the Saints this year. The Patriots, to me, they, they're just not very explosive offensively. They're going to yeah. play all these games super close. You know, Dolphins week one, it's going to come down to a late fumble with Damian Harris. I mean, they they crushed the Jets because Zach Wilson had four interceptions. But to me, this is a team that 
they're just going to want to play low scoring games. Mac Jones checking the ball down all game. And today he needed to try to make some plays down the field. And we saw Jones trying to struggle with that. Rookie quarterbacks in general this year have been horrible against the spread. In fact, they are 0-8 against the spread, the four rookie quarterbacks that have started this year when they're not facing each other. They're, it's a total of 1-9, but the Patriots beat the Jets, so throw out that game because Mac Jones beat Zach Wilson. So when rookie quarterbacks are not facing a fellow rookie quarterbacks, they are 0-8 against the spread this year. And if you look at the stats, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Davis Mills, nine touchdowns, 18 interceptions this year. So that really, really rough start for the rookie quarterbacks. But even despite all that, I'm kind of curious to see if the Niners turn to Trey Lance because I do think that uh, – I don't think he'd be an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo necessarily, but I think long-term he would raise their ceiling. I know we're both kind of down in the 49ers, but long, long-term, I don't think Lance would be a short-term upgrade for them, but I think they need better quarterback play to make a deep playoff run, and I think Lance could give them an extra element, especially to their running game. Uh, that could help them out. I mean, we saw Garoppolo make some some ugly plays today. He hasn't been throwing the ball downfield at all and stretching the field, so – I don't know if Lance is an upgrade to me, like I'm a rookie quarterback, you kind of lower the floor, but you raise the ceiling. Uh, we saw like the bears line this week kind of moved toward the bears when they announced Justin Fields would be the starter. I mean, to me, if you're going to do that, you take them on the money line because to me that a rookie quarterback adds more variance. And if you want that, you want more variance, kind of like what the saints have been, but to me against the spread, like I, I couldn't touch the bears, even with Justin Fields, even though he was even worse than I thought he would be. This yeah, he's week. not an upgrade at least this point in his career. He will be obviously, but I knew there'd be growing pains. I couldn't understand why everyone was clamoring for him and thinking they gave him a shot. I mean, I understand you want to get him on the field, start the process because he is the future. If that's your approach, then fine. I can't fault you as if you're as a bears fan, but these people just thinking he's going to be an upgrade over Dalton. is just mind boggling to me. He, he really was is green and that's okay. He's a rookie. He's supposed to be. So just let you know, let them figure it out, and the season's going to be lost if you go with Fields. Uh, not that Dalton played great, but he only helped him get the win last week. Although Fields did a couple times with his legs. I, I don't know. It's a it's a tough situation for Chicago. They're going nowhere. Um, yeah, I think a lot nice. of the. I think a lot of the push toward Justin Fields playing came from the fantasy football community because people who play fantasy, everybody wants a mobile quarterback. So, you know, fantasy managers really wanted Justin Fields to play. And then Fields finally gets a chance. And then he does absolutely nothing this week, even on the ground. He did virtually nothing. So uh, including me, he sunk a couple fantasy weeks for me. So, uh, but you know, from a team perspective, I agree with you that Dalton in the short term is probably better than Fields, but long-term you hope that Fields could be an upgrade there. So the Giants completely botched it in the final seconds. Titans got the win and cover. We expected that, although Carson Wentz did play for Indy. So Tennessee making a nice run after losing the opener at home to Arizona. Bounce backs with a nice comeback win against Seattle in the Pacific Northwest. Get the home win over the division rival. Their biggest competition, one would think, in the division. Broncos, shout out the Jets. Don't need to really recap too much. Dolphins-Raiders is pretty wild. 14 nothing right out of the gates. And it's like, all right, this is what we said. The horrendous spot for... The Raiders and the Dolphins coming in, all the money coming in on Vegas. Obviously, the Raiders were the better team. Miami's got serious issues. And if they had just stopped a two-point conversion then or a touchdown on fourth down, then it would have been an eight-point win. But So some serious ATS drama there. Yeah, we haven't had that many like really bad beats this year. I mean, I guess the, the worst bad beat we've kind of had that didn't have something to do with the outcome of the game was probably week one with the Niners and Lions. This was kind of a bad beat because the line was three and a half and the the touchdown late obviously pushed it to overtime. So when the Raiders win by three, the Dolphins get the cover. That late touchdown also pushed that game over the total. Um, 
we've had, I mean, the Lions at plus 320 in the money line, that would have been a bad beat with the Justin Tucker field goal. Uh, the Chargers missed an extra point in their last touchdown. That was kind of a bad beat. But we have, we've been kind of, we've been kind of lucky in terms of not having these disgustingly bad beats that we've had in the past. There hasn't been a pick six in the final 30 seconds that cost the team a cover there. We, we, we're kind of due for that. I feel like going forward. Uh, why don't you f off? Because I was on the, the <laughs> I was on the Niners in Week One, so I, we don't need a, a, a complete list of them. There's there's enough to make people mad. No, I mean I got a good number for the most part in that one, but just crazy. Uh, and one final game. I mean, what are we gonna do with Big Ben? He's 39. That performance today. I mean, you're talking about a Zach Taylor that they are one in 15 and one on the road outright since he came over, and that number just kept crashing. So they were two and a half point dogs going into Heinz Field. And the Steelers just don't have, I mean, that dump off on fourth down at the end of the game, like what's going on? Like the check down. Yeah. I, it's, I didn't know I was on Pittsburgh this week. Cause I just thought that the line was a bit of an overreaction to the injuries. And plus when I brought it up in the column, I kind of thought TJ Watt would be playing. He left the door open to be playing. I guess that door slammed shut on Saturday, but Pittsburgh they're they're. I mean, they're just tough to gauge right now. I mean, Roethlisberger 58 passes, but only 318 yards. They can't really run the ball, but every time you would look up at the screen, it's just check down to Najee Harris, check down to Claypool, check down to Juju, check down to everybody. I mean, Najee Harris had 14 catches in that game. A running back's not supposed to have 14 catches in a game unless he's maybe Christian McCaffrey, who's now for Carolina. But Cincinnati's kind of interesting because their defense, I, did, I, I had no expectations for their defense entering the year. The, entering this week, they had the fifth most efficient defense in the NFL. Part of that had to do with their schedule, but – they showed up again today in a big way. So maybe Cincinnati's defense is a little bit better than we give it credit for entering the year. Burrow only needed to throw 18 times today, but uh, a very nice road win for Cincinnati. I think that sums up the uh, Sunday NFL action. Unless I'm missing something. Vikings, uh, impressive win. So the Seahawks are now one and two. A long season, though. So we'll get there. Um, yeah, I guess the only other game that we didn't really touch on was Minnesota beating Seattle. That was right. a that was a, a big win. Kirk Cousins, 30 for 38, 323 yards, three touchdowns. He's now top three in the NFL in total QBR this year. Um, the only other thing that I had to really add was uh, some look ahead line changes for next week. So okay. you, the Bears, after their horrible performance, they play the Lions next week. They open six and a half in the look ahead line. That's now down to three and a half, and it's plus 100 for Chicago. So a pretty big move in favor, favor of Detroit. Saints host the Giants next week. That was six and a half in the look-ahead line. That's moved through seven. That's now eight. The Bengals also moved through seven. They host the Jaguars next week. So you're going to have to lay over a touchdown with Cincinnati next week if you want to take them. That moved from six and a half to seven and a half. It'll be their biggest line since the Marvin Lewis, Andy Dalton era. Titans also went through seven. They played the Jets next week. That moved from six and a half to seven and a half. That total is 46. The Jets have gone under the total every week, and they haven't covered the spread every week. So I don't know if they... I don't know if they'll be able to get the cover next week. The team total under for the Jets seems like it's going to be a nice uh, banger going forward. Chiefs dropped down a little bit against the Eagles. That was six and a half. It's now five and a half. And then I mentioned the Bills earlier. That moved from 16 and a half to 17 and a half. So through 17. If it closes over 17, it would be just the seventh line of at least 17 and a half points in the first four weeks in the last 40 years. So we don't normally get lines that big this early in the season. So, um, yeah, we might get like 19 there, something like that. Yeah. I mean, who wants to bet on Houston? And Houston didn't even look that bad last week. That's the thing. 
Well, yeah, especially when McCaffrey, you know, when went down, they're 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 limited, right? Especially without Tyrod Taylor, they're they're certainly limited. It's gonna be crazy. The Bears are only three and a half point favorites to this version of the Lions, but yeah, the Bears shouldn't be favored by more. It's just going into the season, we all thought the Lions would be terrible, and the Bears are only laying three and a half at home. Remarkable. Yeah, but like we said, home field advantage doesn't mean that much anymore. Do you have any lean on the Monday night game tomorrow? Uh, I lean to the Cowboys. Uh, just just how my Sunday went in terms of ATS, I'm very gun shy. I would say right now. So I, I do think the Cowboys are better, but I've been down on Hertz and he's obviously played well at times this year. So maybe he's just a lot better than I'm giving him credit for, but I'm going to look to fade the Eagles. Their defense has been respectable though, but I think Cowboys definitely have too many weapons. Yeah. I'm a pretty big fan of that Eagles defense. I took them the first two weeks. I think I might take them again tomorrow. I'm kind of leaning toward the under in that one as well, but uh, Dallas's offense, like you said, with Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and CD lamb. And even with Tony Pollard getting in the mix last week, they're, they're explosive offensively. There's no doubt about that. All right, my friend. Uh, good stuff as always. And appreciate the insight and the effort. I know our listeners do too. And the uh, Daily Wager podcast will be back Monday morning with the regular sort of edition in and out in less than 10 minutes. 